I would sum it up with she's the witch, but they got burned. Welcome to Cover Your Eyes. Today we're going to be talking about the movie Carrie from 1976. Hi, Sarah Devereaux. Hi, Holly Oliver. I'm very excited to talk to you about this movie because I feel like it's right in your wheelhouse with all of the elements that are involved. <laughs> I was just thinking, I can't wait to hear what Holly has to say about this. <laughs> with the 70s, the witchiness, all of that good stuff. <laughs> and funny. I see that today you are dressed and you've been inspired by the movie. I love what you're wearing. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you're wearing? I see an amazing tiara. I cried four times <laughs> during oh, the movie. No. Oh, I actually I actually sobbed all the way through the pig blood oh. uh, fiasco and so I was like I need to listen to the Beach Boys immediately after watching the movie and then I dressed up like a 1976 prom queen and I have a peach uh prom dress from the 70s probably 1976 so it's a real prom dress yes oh wow either that or a bridesmaid dress but I feel like those are (laughs) interchangeable especially in the 70s and the 80s when it was all like big poofy tool so 70s and 80s yeah (laughs) <laughs> Start to tell the difference. Well, it looks so great. I love it. Okay. Tell me well, about this movie. Well, I actually, I was like, man, this is a bummer because I don't really have a lot to say about this movie. Okay. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I know. I'm totally lying. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. So I had to put my uh, rose tinted, if you will, uh, glasses yeah. on because nothing pisses me off more then Christian religious fervor, that's like the most threatening energy to me is fundamentalist Christianity. It's completely woman-hating at every level. And deeper than that, it's life-hating. I actually call it a death cult. And it has nothing to do with the love of the Christ at all. It's like completely the antithesis. And in fact, it's the Antichrist. And I think that Carrie's mother, Margaret, displayed amazing Antichrist-like qualities. Throughout the film, I kept asking myself, what would Jesus do? And throughout the film, I kept finding that not anything that anybody (laughs) is doing. (laughs) Definitely not her mom. So basically, Carrie is about a girl who is picked on. I think the reason <laughs> that all the girls hate Harry is because she's prettier than they are. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I'm sort of like obsessed with Sissy Spacek. Like I'll watch her in anything. Cause I just think she's like, just like angelically beautiful. Yeah. She has an otherworldly beauty. It's not conventional, but then she's got a, she's got this grit that you see over and over in her performances, and including this one. I mean, Jesus. What if it really just all boiled down to that? <laughs> I mean, at one point when she's all dialed up, then the mean boyfriend says, that Carrie White, she's pretty cute. 
And I was like, oh. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Margaret is dressed in this like classic witch garb, the traditional witch image. And she also has the mean witch attitude, which is to consume and devour her offspring. The younger, prettier version of her, too. Kind of like in uh, Snow White, Mm -hmm. how the evil queen or evil witch wants to take Snow White's beauty and youth away from her. Totally. Does her mom have witch powers now, or is she just like a witch? I I feel like, okay, so this was my story for her mother, and I had to think of one fast because I was extremely pissed off immediately at the rhetoric of just hating on a woman's body. And also the internalized misogyny of the women that are throwing pads and tampons at Carrie. Okay, so Carrie gets her period and there's this like lingering scene of all of the girls in the locker room and they're like just prancing around nude. Oh my God, there's so much nudity. I mean, can we just talk about that for a second? Have you ever been naked in a locker room? Well, never. Absolutely not. And I feel that if that was ever a real thing, this movie killed it for good. (laughs) This movie killed prancing around nude in locker rooms for women forever. I mean, in high school, no one ever used the showers. Maybe that stopped after the 70s. I don't know. But they were just like in the corner. No one went near them. I would never dream of showering in a open shower after gym class with no curtains and you're already like so self-conscious about your body during that time (laughs) like why would you put it on display for all of your classmates and then just on top of that run around naked after the shower I don't really love this word but can I just say there was just like so much bush in the opening (laughs) scene it was like so much pubic hair which is cool it was like 30% of their body weight because they're all so skinny. It's like ribs and pubic hair is all I saw. <laughs> I was just wondering, because I mean, we went to the same school. We weren't always uh, in the same gym class, but I was like, maybe in another gym class, people not. were doing this stuff. Nobody was doing <laughs> that. Pretty much everybody in gym class would do the trick of changing <laughs> their shirt without like taking a shirt off. Yeah. So you have like half of one shirt on and half of the other shirt yeah. on. And it's like this little swoop that happens. And then suddenly you have the new shirt on. Yeah. I haven't done that in a long time. You should make sure we can still do that. I can definitely take yes. a bra on or off without taking my shirt on or off. Like, yes, I can still do that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was the trick. And that was pretty much what happened in gym class. I mean, I had a bra and I was like, whatever. This is like wearing a bikini. It's not like it's not like a morning lingerie. But most of the people were more modest than that. I don't think anyone took a shower ever. I don't think so. No. If you turn on the faucet, like dust would come out. When Carrie comes out of the shower and she's got blood on her hands Ugh. and she's like grasping for everybody. Like she does look terrifying. Yeah. She's running at them and they're all reacting to her from, I hate that I'm a woman. I bleed too. And it's dirty and it's bad. So we're going to like project our own self body hatred that we've been taught through Christianity onto you by throwing these like pads and tampons at you. 
Yeah, that was definitely mean. I have to say, though, like watching it now, because the first time I saw this, like we hadn't even had our periods. No, you know, I think I watched it at your house the first time. So that whole scene was kind of just like, oh, God, what's happening? And I don't remember. I don't even think we'd seen like the video yet, like the educational video that they show us in grade Mm -hmm. school. I think they show that in like fifth grade for us. Oh, the boys and girls get separated. And then you watch the video (laughs) to learn about. You right. learn about periods, and I guess they learn about boners or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're learning about in the other room. And we just see, like, these big, Nothing. giant maxi pads that we're going to have to wear. <laughs> and at the time, I think they still had, like, the belts around them, where it was just, like, the videos they showed us were so old. And I was just like, oh, God, this is going to happen to me. They were so wear, like, a diaper with a belt on it. But I have to say that, like, if a girl came running at me with her period blood on her hands, I would back away, too. <laughs> I mean, not to defend what they did afterwards, but I can't blame them for being a little horrified by that. She actually had absolutely no idea what it was because they didn't have sex ed back then. That's what I was wondering. I was like, I was was like, this is why they started teaching it in school is after this movie, I guess. (laughs) So no one else had to go through what Carrie went through. Poor thing. Carrie changed the high school education <laughs> she really did. system forever, <laughs> quite frankly. I remember us watching the movie and I remembered being like really excited for you to see it. <laughs> and so when I saw this movie when I was a kid, I was like enthralled by it because I was also enthralled with Firestarter because I was like really obsessed yes. with telekinesis. Yeah. And I felt like I had potential to have that power, be completely entranced in the frequency of her rage to such an extent (laughs) that she could move objects is like completely fascinating because you know that we have like our, that we have these abilities that have been squashed out of us by Christianity. Okay. There are times when I feel like, I could channel my rage into something and it could manifest. I think it's good that I don't have that power, to be honest with you, because a lot of people could be hurt. Well, you have to learn to control it and see if she had been in an environment where her mother wasn't a complete fundamentalist religious fanatic. Her mother, Margaret White. I can't even imagine the abuse and brainwashing that she suffered as a child, it was probably double what Carrie is suffering. I had to keep putting that back into perspective because it's so easy for me to react to her mother with hate because, you know, thou shall not suffer which to live. Philosophy is... Really, like, I take that as, like, a physical threat to me when I hear the sports. <laughs> and I always have, even before I knew what that really meant and to me. And so I really have a hard time with her because I've probably seen Carrie, like, four times throughout my life. Okay. And every time I've seen it before, I reacted <clears throat> So ang- with so much anger to Margaret. And this time, I just found myself 
coming back to how she must have suffered and how she had these this charisma and this uh, magic power in her, just how Carrie has, but that it was squelched and squashed out of her. This is when I watched this again, I was like, this must be why I got kicked out of Sunday school. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to, I want to read some quotes from Margaret. She's here on the Lord's work. Now she storms into Sue's mom's house. Yes. And she's like, clearly Sue's mom is an alcoholic. Hey, <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, Sue's mom is like living the life. She's just chilling in her living room, watching soaps and having a drink in the middle of the day. I was like, yes, yeah, Sue's mom's got it going on. And hey. then here comes Mrs. White to bum her out. <laughs> I was thinking Mrs. White thinks Sue's mom is an alcoholic and that it's her mission to save her. And that like, that's why she targeted Sue's mom. Okay. <laughs> she's like, that, that Mrs. Sue's mom, boy, she, I've, I've smelled alcohol in her breath before, you know, that Evil. kind of thing. Evil. Mm-hmm. And so she storms in. Have you ever had a person proselytize at your door? I don't think that I have. I mean, at my door, not at my door, but in person, like on the street. Mm -hmm. And once um, we were actually at Mardi Gras, like a bunch of people, and we had to take a ferry and a bunch of those type of fundamentalist Christian people got on the ferry with us. Oh, no. Oh, God. We were trapped (laughs) for like. 20 to 30 minutes because something was going on with the weather. I don't know, but we were trapped on this ferry for a long time and they had like their signs and they were like verbally accosting all of us and telling us they were all sinners and we were going to hell. And one of the girls that was with us, Christy, she's like super Southern and she's super Christian, but she was just like, Mm -hmm. you know, not having it. And she like went off on, I'm like, I'm not a sinner and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's not the way to get your message to people is insulting them, you know. And of course, at Mardi Gras, they're ripe for the picking of people who are committing sins. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so not at my door, but I have been trapped with them <clears throat> in other places. <laughs> and it's not a great feeling. No. I confronted the Westboro Baptist Church. <gasps> Where? In Port Orchard, Washington. Wow. It was like... I'm trying to think of what year it was. It was probably like 2008. They were protesting at a guy who died. I don't know his name, but he was a he was a veteran yeah. who had served in the war. I don't know what war. There were all these motorcycle guys there protesting the Westboro Church. I remember this one, seeing it on TV. It was a huge thing. When I I came right up to those people. And what I had done was beforehand, I called on Jesus, the spirit of Jesus. And I was like, which is like the spirit of unconditional love, you know? 
And so I called on the spirit of unconditional love, but I called him Jesus. And I like told my friends that I was going with, I was like, Hey, let's like, even if you don't believe in this or like, you know, none of us were even Christians, you know, but I was like, but they're using this, like this guy's vibe, this Jesus vibe. They're using (laughs) his name to like, they're using his name in vain, you know, for hate. Exactly. So we were all just like, we were on Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus, Jesus. We got high on Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> and we went, we just stood there. And I and I came right up to one of those, one of those people. And they were like, I don't know what they said. They said something like very derogatory yeah. to me or whatever. And I just said, I just said, you know, Jesus loves you. And I do, too even though you're like really filled with hate right now. And I was just like really stayed in my heart and it felt really powerful. And you know what they did? They left. Oh my gosh. Because everybody in the row of people, we were just like kind of went around and we're like, Hey, let's just be like really loving. And then we were, and they left and it was like the power of love. And it was beautiful. Like when Carrie finally has the showdown with her mom and is telling her, like, I'm going to prom. And then Carrie's telekinesis power is demonstrated in front of her mom when she slams the window shut. And then her mom calls her a witch and says mm-hmm. that Satan's in her. And then she says, Satan was in your father, too, and made him leave. And so I was like, OK, so maybe she was I feel like and then she talked about it later, too, that she was trying not to have sex before she got married. And then Ralph. I guess Carrie's dad forced her to. So we know that she was religious before, but I guess after all of that and after the dad left, she maybe used that as a way to like cope with the fact that he left her, just veiling it by saying that Satan caused him to leave. And then that drove her to go deeper and deeper into the religious fanaticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she was abused and grew up with this misogynistic doctrine. The underlying thing about this movie is that women are vile and the root of all evil. It's interesting. I just thought vile has the same letters as evil. Ooh, and live. Oh, and yeah, and live. That's and veil. Sh- and veil. That's a good <laughs> shirt. Okay. I'll write that one down. <laughs> all women are suffering and should suffer unto men because their bodies are filthy temptations that make men feel vulnerable because men are raised by women who they feel vulnerable to because they are literally dependent upon them for life. Yeah. So it's a lot easier to be like, women are the root of all evil because the root of all evil is the like vulnerable deep-seated vulnerability and that is fear like that causes fear so i feel like the root of all evil is the feeling of fear fear makes people do things that are evil that are considered quote-unquote evil or bad basically that would hurt another person Margaret White grew up with that, as many people did. She probably was like sexually abused 
which is probably why she really hated sex. You know, she said she hated it that one time, you know, forcing her husband into a sexless marriage. And then finally she gave in and I bet she had an orgasm and it made her lose her shit. Yeah. She said that when she did do it and he had, he smelled like roadhouse whiskey and she liked it. And then she probably felt bad for liking it. And it sounds like that's when Carrie was conceived, like that time and before they were married, because she said, like, we would lay together and not have sex and everything was fine until that one night. Basically, she's saying, like, I should have killed you then because mm-hmm. she was conceived out of wedlock. So she thinks that that's why Carrie is the way that she is, is because she was conceived out of wedlock from her sin and the sin lives on in Carrie. <gasps> God. That's God. wild. It is wild. <laughs> There's so much. We could just talk about Ooh. Margaret the whole entire time. <laughs> so when Carrie comes home, like in the beginning of the movie, after she gets her period in the shower, and then she is humiliated because she had no idea what was going on. She thought yeah. she was dying because she had absolutely no education about I'm sure her mom never talked to her about sex either. So she had no idea, like, any functions of her body. And somehow she started her period much later than everyone else. So she came home and talked to her mom, told her what happened. Or the teacher called and told her mom what happened. So her mom knew already that Carrie had got her period. And then Carrie's like, Mom, why didn't you tell me? I was horrified. And then she just slaps her in the face and is basically like, you're a woman now. Like, it's a bad thing. So Mm -hmm. all of this, I was like, Holly's going (laughs) to, this is going to trigger Holly. (laughs) Well, you know, what's interesting (laughs) is that it didn't. It didn't? No. The past 10 years, I have been clearing out the things that hurt me and that have hurt me in the past. and um. Coming to a place of like understanding that pain, like people who inflict pain inflict it because they are hurting so badly. And that's true even for people that you would call like a psychopath or whatever. And I'm just fascinated with the fact that everybody is acting out of what they think is their best motive. And that's even true for people that are committing like atrocities. Like you always justify your behavior to yourself. And like, when you look at that for yourself, honestly, like I've done that a lot. And so that's why I'm not reacting anymore because I've looked at my shadow that's shitty to people Mm -hmm. and just like fessed up to the fact that maybe if I didn't even act on it, like, like where am I being a villain (laughs) in my own life, you know? And maybe that's even being a villain to myself and like being self-abusive, which a lot of it is, but it's still abusive, you know, it's still being a perpetrator. And whenever we're perpetrated uh, upon we perpetrate upon ourselves or other people and so i since i've started having compassion for my own badness i guess what people who like people like margaret white would call sin that 
I don't see other people that way anymore. And it's really, it's very liberating. However, what a bunch of cockamamie bull (laughs) this is. The whole idea of women's bodies being dirty cesspools of temptation. The sole function of a woman is to titillate a man to the point where he can't control himself and he has to give in to her and be vulnerable through the act of sexual intercourse. Just as Eve tempted Adam. And so since then, we have to pay with our dirty, filthy blood that comes out of our pussies. And also we have to have the clinical term for our very sacred temple of pleasure. The Latin name vagina, right? Vagina is Latin for sheath for a sword. Wait, what? Yeah. So How did I not know this? So whenever you go to the gynecologist and they tell you about your vagina, they're talking about a sheath for a sword, implying wow. that a gentleman's penis is a sword. Whoa. So really, that's really what we're for is just a place to put a penis. And it's exactly. confirmed in medical terms. Yeah. So that's the part that I thought would like, you know really irk you was the part about women's bodies mm-hmm. being vile and all of that. Um, and like you mentioned before, she said that Eve sinned. Intercourse was the first sin. Eve was weak. Intercourse was the first sin. And then the Lord visited a curse upon her and the curse was blood. And people still call it the curse when you get your period. And that just like perpetuates that whole, you know, shame, mm-hmm. dirtiness aspect of it. And I hate that. I don't know if people say that hopefully people like our age or younger don't say that anymore, but I've definitely heard it said. Ooh, you know what, everyone, I would love to hear your stories about your first time with getting your period. I would love to hear that too. That's great. And now I would like to know if people's family talked to them about it at all. Mm-hmm. Like I, no one really talked to me about it. I think they just really? knew like I was going to see the video in school and that was about it. And then I think tampons or not tampons. Cause when you first get it, I don't think you normally use tampons, but then like pads were just like magically available mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe I just like, they were always there. And then when I needed mm-hmm. it, I found them. I don't know. I there was never like a talk like this is going to happen. This is what you'll need. It just kind of was like, oh, it happened, and what I needed was there, and it was just like assumed that I knew everything from the video I watched. Really? In school. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so <laughs> I remember the first time I found out about blood. I so I was in the bathroom stall with my cousin, and she was like sixteen years older than me. I was probably like five, but she was on her period. 
And so she took me into the bathroom with stall with her because we were at the mall and it was like the height of like stranger danger. And so of course, you know, and she was like, turn around, you know, so I was like facing the door while she was, she was peeing, but I turned around cause she said something and I just like, kind of didn't even think about it. And I saw blood because she, you know, she had like a pad and I go, oh my God, like, is that blood? <laughs> I said it really loud. And, uh, and, and then she was like, yeah, I'll tell you about it in a minute. And so then after that, she just explained it to me what happened. And I was like, oh, okay, I get that. I knew about it. So like when I watched this movie, I, I'm pretty sure I already knew like Aunt Pishy and her and Nana, like they weren't weird about bodies like that. Like they were just like, whatever, that's normal. That's like, good. There's nothing weird about it. And in fact, when I got my period, Nana called Aunt Pishy <laughs> I think I was with you the day that you got your period. I remember. We were were watching a Dead Poets Society at the movie theater. It was a Tuesday. I knew we were at the movies. Yeah. It was a Tuesday. Because we come out on Tuesday. (laughs) Dead Poets Society really like made me a woman. It did. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) We have to watch that. Wow. That's a shared memory. Yeah. Of your first period. <laughs> yeah. I used a pad for like the first round and then I switched to tampons. Good for you. I got like the tiny ones. Yeah. Cause I, I think I like, wore like big giant boat pads for a long no. time where it's like. I was like immediately I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm sitting in a Barbie mat. Like there's a Barbie mattress inside of me. Like this is not going to work at all. Yeah. It's like sticking out the front and the back of your pants. It's like, what is going on? Oh God. Periods. We could have like a whole other. This movie is like, I'm like, oh my God. It's weird though. Cause I didn't really take a lot of notes. Right. Because I was just like, I've thought about Carrie a lot for a long time because I've also read the book. Oh. Which I think is like probably my favorite. It's probably my favorite Stephen King book, actually. Um, I haven't read like a plethora of Stephen King, but I've read a, I've read a fair amount. So I liked when Margaret said this. I don't think this is my favorite quote, but I really, I, I was like, I feel like this sums up the satanic panic of the 80s she said the children are wandering through the wilderness of sin yeah when she's talking to sue's mom when she comes to their house she's like, <laughs> she's like god damn it let me get back to general hospital or exactly. whatever. Oh yeah she god. was ambushed in her own home by this <laughs> lunatic <laughs> i think uh the wilderness of sin is a good description of high school pretty much <laughs> before i when I would like encounter this kind of stuff, I would just respond with anger because it feels because it's actually like a real physical threat to women. Because when you are training, when you're training people to believe that women's bodies are vile, like the, the cool thing about women is that we have an inborn mechanism of self-punishment. Isn't that cool? Our periods. 
Oh, and the okay. and the pain of childbirth. Yeah. <laughs> like Why? and cramps. Women's bodies are proof that we're born with sin, I guess. And like all of that stuff just doesn't make sense to me because it's not life affirming. And babies are supposed to be good. Babies are good. Like when there's babies around, people are really happy, usually. <laughs> so I was just like, whenever you say things like the first sin was intercourse, you're affirming death. Uh. So what the fuck does that, what, what does that have to do with anything? Like, it doesn't make sense to me to worship death. And if you're, if you're saying that intercourse is bad, intercourse is the way to life. Yes, it is. So I was wondering, cause yeah, whenever Margaret was talking about how the Lord visited upon her a curse and the curse was blood. And then also she kept ranting on and said like, and she was cursed with childbirth. So I was like, so prior to that, was God just going to make everyone and babies didn't come from intercourse and there wasn't childbirth. That was the plan. And then Eve fucked it all up. Apparently by having intercourse. And of course it was Eve's fault, not the person that she had intercourse with. It was her fault, not his. Oh, it God. It's really fascinating the lengths that men have gone to to mask their vulnerability from themselves. Cause that's really to me like what patriarchy is. It's men masking their own vulnerability to women. In a way, it's like, I get it. Like, to love another person, it can be uh, so strong. It can be, like, painful. And not in a bad way, but but just, like, this, like, ache. You know, because there's the inevitability of death. So, of course, there's, like, an ache and a bittersweetness. Or there can be if you, like, let yourself except that sort of longing and and suffering is just like part of who we are but what it seems to me is that christianity has really made everything a duality you shouldn't have emotions in this way and but the emotions that you shouldn't have are like pleasure because if you have pleasure then you'll know pleasure and if you know pleasure then you can lose pleasure and if you lose pleasure, then you feel pain. But if you think pleasure is bad, then you never feel pleasure and then you never have anything to lose. So really, it's like Christianity is like a political tool, first and foremost, but it's also a defense mechanism against vulnerability. I never thought of it that way. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> You're just riffing on Christianity. <laughs> There's like a Christ consciousness that embodies the feeling of unconditional love that I think everybody is totally capable and entitled to feeling whenever they want. And that has nothing to do with any book or other person telling you what the fuck to do. <laughs> And I mean, so it's mainly just like organized religion is the issue. It's not like spirituality or because like you said, Jesus is like about a spirit of love. 
So it's not like you're saying anything against that. It's the organized no. religion and like the fundamentalist Christians and the intolerance, really, that's the negative of it all. Yeah. And it's used as a defense mechanism and people can kind of just like cloak themselves in it and find what they want from it to use against other people or to use against things that they don't believe in. They can just kind of handpick the parts of the Bible that work for them and forget the parts that don't like Carrie's mom is doing. I mean, so when Carrie comes home and says that, you know, they're talking about her period, her mom immediately whips out this book and opens to the chapter called (laughs) sins of women. It's like, okay, what book is this? There's a whole chapter just ready to go. (laughs) That makes me think about when Carrie tells her mom or when they find out again about when she got her period and her mom makes her pray because it's a sin to be a woman and get your period. So she sends her to the prayer closet. Mm -hmm. And so that's when we first Mm -hmm. see Carrie's crying. She doesn't want to be locked in there. And then there's this figurine. It's Jesus on the cross, but it's the most disturbing Jesus on the cross I've ever seen. His eyes are glowing. And uh, she has to light at the altar and pray to him. And the whole scene is just very scary because of the way that his eyes are glowing and the way that he has real human hair. And he looks like her mom. I totally, when I saw that hair on him, I was like, I had this flash of her with a hot glue gun, like, yes. like furiously like snipping her hair off and then like gluing it to like that his head or something. Yeah. That's what it looks like. It looks like her mom made it somehow. It's <laughs> really creepy. It's, it's so, so creepy. creepy. Oh my God. It is. So that's her mom. <laughs> now there's so many more other people to talk about. I'm sure we're going to come back to her mom because it's impossible not to. We might as well talk about the other authority figure in the movie. <laughs> okay. This is like the mom segment of Carrie. Uh-huh. Um, so the PE teacher, uh, Mrs. Collins, she is completely appalled, especially with the with the girl Sue, when they all attack Carrie with feminine hygiene products. What do you think about that? What do you think about Mrs. Collins? I mean, I would say I like Mrs. Collins. I, cause she's kind of like on Carrie's side, but she's pretty real about everything. So when she first came out and she saw what they were doing, yeah, she was angry at the girls for throwing tampons and pads at Carrie and yelling, plug it up, plug it up. That's the main thing I remember from the movie. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, like you said, she's especially angry with Sue because I guess out of that whole popular group, Sue is probably supposed to be the nice one that wouldn't do things like that. So she's more disappointed in her. And so she goes to comfort Carrie and Carrie's absolutely hysterical because she thinks she's dying and she's trying to calm her down, calm her down and she won't calm down. So she slaps her in the face and then tries to teach her like what's going on and make her feel better. But then when she's talking to the principal about it afterwards, she says, I hate to say it, but I can kind of understand why they Mm -hmm. felt that way because I wanted to shake her too Mm -hmm. because she's just like so appalled that this girl who's like a senior or junior in high school still doesn't know about her period and that she was having such a panic attack over what was going on. So she felt kind of she kind of identified with the mean girls at that point but then she knew like that's not right and then she took sympathy on Carrie 
And when she's talking to the principal about it, she still has someone carries blood on her white gym shorts. And you can see the principal kind of look over at the blood, like, oh, like kind of reel back from it. I love it. (laughs) I know. So I like Mrs. Collins. I think she has Carrie's best interest at heart. Can I tell you a secret? Yes. When I was in high school, it was like around Christmas time. I guess I was probably a junior and uh, I had a lot of tampons. I use OB tampons and I, you know, they don't have an applicator mm-hmm. and I, uh, I hung them from some of the trees. Where? <laughs> you did? I'm sure behind, I saw that. Behind the uh, cafeteria. You know, the little area, yeah, like the walkway area behind the cafeteria. And there was like a bench and there was this like tree, like a big yeah. oak tree hanging over the bench, the park bench scenario. I and remember. I was sitting there one day and I was just like, no, man, I just liked shaking it up. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you say that a few times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It got me by. <laughs> okay, so these bullies really upset me so much. I never saw like the movie level of bullying. I was like, that seems really exaggerated, but I didn't get bullied. So I don't know if it is or not. I remember there was a girl in grade school that was like a bully that I was afraid of. Um, and I used to have to walk home kind of the same way as her part of the time. And I would be so afraid of her. When? I think it was like second grade. And she was, you could tell that she came from like a rough home life. And like, obviously there were reasons for her to be that way, but she could give you this look. (laughs) I was like, oh God, I was scared every day when I had to walk by her. Mm -hmm. And then in junior high, do you remember... He is so scary. Fucking bully. And then her (laughs) other friend. And they had like giant bangs. They fucking scared me so bad. So they never beat me up, but they would just like threaten so many people. Like these people are like super villain level. Yeah. They're like psychopath level. Watching this again, I was like, what? These people are legitimately psychopaths. They killed a pig. Yeah. And I did not remember that blood. Like they didn't just go like rob a, a like a butcher yeah. shop or something, or like one of the guys was like, "Hey, I work at a butcher shop." <laughs> you know, it wasn't like that. It's like they got it from from a pig that they killed and drained. That was something that really uh, Which, disturbed me that I didn't remember. I thought, like you said, like they maybe went to the processing plant and like got some blood somehow. I didn't remember that they killed the pig and mm-hmm. that the John Travolta character, who's the mean girl's boyfriend, Billy, his friend was going to do it. They came, they all went to the pig plant with an ax and his friend was going to do it. Then his friend chickened out. So, or actually it was a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then he's like, I knew chicken out. And so he does it. He jumps in the pen and singles out this pig and just basically bashes its brains in. And his girlfriend, Chris, the girl who's really bullying Carrie and who hates her so much, is there telling him, like, yeah, kill it, kill it. And I was just like, this is beyond. That's so the you, worst part. I went in the other room and got a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> to 
just that, skip that like, part. I just can't even. And I was like, I couldn't even um, fast forward through it because I was afraid I would like accidentally stop it in the wrong part and I'd see mm-hmm. something. And I just can't like after having like really fucked up where like my life was actually threatened. It's really hard for me to watch uh, stuff where it's like that where it's like gore. Like I, I can't watch gore anymore. And it used to not bother me as much because I grew up watching like Carrie and stuff. So, you know, um, the other thing I was thinking about there, I was like, this is like future magas of America. <laughs> I think he was wearing a red hat, the kid with the axe or the well, sledgehammer. So was, uh, so's the girl that always wears the red oh my baseball cap. <laughs> I hate that girl. I don't know why. I just really hate that girl out of all I, the mean girls. Me too, but I really love her baseball <laughs> I mean, I think it's cool that she wears a baseball cap all the time, but I, and even to her prom, but I just really hate her. She seems the most obnoxious of them all. I don't know why. Norma. Yeah, Norma. Oh my God. But Norma. They taunt and harass someone who is in a weaker social position, Carrie. And then whenever they get punished for doing something that was wrong, they whine about it and act like they didn't do anything wrong because they're just entitled to do whatever they want because of how they were born. Because they're like the pretty girls at school. And they're proud of how pretty they are. Like it's an achievement, you know. And that's like part of feeling entitled, which I mean, I've felt myself at times. Not like them, but I mean, like, I know, I know what it feels like to think that, and it's something that you're told. If people respond to you as though they think you're pretty, then you get a certain feeling of like, oh, this is how I'm treated because I'm special, you know? And when you have like people and your environment coming at you telling you that, it's really easy to think that that's true. And you have to be very aware, very self-aware of your own motivations and stuff to be like, Hey, this is weird. Like I'm not special at all. This is like me being born because I'm born and that's all there is to it. And so is everybody else. And like, we all exist and therefore are deserving of love. And that's the end of the story. (laughs) But these girls are so entitled that, they think that getting punished isn't applicable to them. Especially the main girl, Chris, who's supposed to be, I guess, like the prettiest, most popular one of them all. And she feels extra entitled. And when she hears from Mrs. Collins, what their punishment's going to be a week of detention. because they're being punished for what they did to Carrie a week of detention, 50 minutes each day after school. And it's run by Mrs. Collins and she makes them exercise the whole time. And then Chris is like, I'm not going. And then Mrs. Collins says, oh, if you don't go, then you can't go to prom. And she was like, I don't care. I'm not going. And then her friends are like, come on, just get over it. Go. You have to go. And then so she goes. But the first day of detention, 
with like 10 minutes left to go, Chris has had it. She's like, she can't treat us like this. And then she goes up and talks to Mrs. Collins and says, I'm not doing this anymore. You don't have any right to punish us this way. And she basically calls, at one point she calls Mrs. Collins a bitch. And Mrs. Collins slaps her in the face. Miss which is like Collins is slap well, happy. She's very slap happy. She slapped <laughs> Carrie to try to calm her down. She slapped Chris because Chris was being a little whiny bitch. And it's like, yeah, at this point, Miss Collins probably would have been fired um, in these days. <laughs> but in that moment, I was all for the slap. <laughs> but so, yeah, so Chris won't go along with the punishment because she thinks that she's above it. And they're being punished for what they did to Carrie. And then they use that as fuel to hate Carrie even more, even though it's not her mm-hmm. fault that they're being punished. Exactly. They act as if she's punishing them. And then it's her fault that Chris can't go to prom because Chris won't go along with the punishment. And that's what spurs the whole thing on of why Chris wants to get the revenge on Carrie with the pig's blood and everything. And so Chris wasn't even allowed to be at the prom and that's why she was hiding and like rigging up the whole pig's blood thing. And Sue couldn't go to the prom either. So Sue and Tommy, the nice ones that were trying to help Carrie, even if it was misguided and didn't work out well, Sue isn't supposed to be at the prom either because you can't go to prom alone. So what kind of rule is that, by the way? I think that may be something else that changed after the movie, Carrie. (laughs) That is wrong. You can't just go with friends. You have to be paired up with someone. (laughs) It weeds out the sluts and the hussies. And like, but like, what it weeds out the nerds and (laughs) other people too, though. It's not fair. I mean, I went to, I think, a homecoming without a date by like, I actually wanted to, to just go with friends instead. But at that time, I wouldn't have been allowed to. No. I. I've never been to a high school dance. That's and, awesome. <laughs> and whenever, and I was like, you know, I never wanted to go. And now that I'm rewatching Carrie, I'm thinking maybe this might have something to do with it. <laughs> maybe why you were afraid that some crazy stuff was going to go down. <laughs> I didn't want to get you burned alive. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't that bad, but well, just, they weren't well, that great. Here's the prom scenes I remember. It's like getting raped after prom. Uh, Back to the Future? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the movie I'm referring to. <laughs> or getting burned alive. I feel like a fancy dress isn't worth it. <laughs> really, the dress was the best <laughs> part of it for me. I think that's the only reason I went, so I could pick out dresses. <laughs> Probably didn't. when all of the PE class was being punished and they were all having to do exercises outside, they showed all of their butts and legs and not their faces for any of it. It it was, yeah, mainly like the gym teacher's butt and legs while she was just like walking and it was focused on those. That's what I noticed. I was like, is this creepy or not? Like I couldn't tell if it was, you know, so, so it's creepy. So it did cross your mind of like, this is creepy. Yeah. yeah. Then I was like, those shorts are so short. But that's what everyone was wearing at the time. Even guys wore shorts like that now, at the time. I, I really like that on men. 
I think the NBA should go back to those TV shorts. I agree. (laughs) Campaign for that to happen. That would be amazing. It's got to come back. Like everything's coming around. That's right. Surely that. Yeah. Agreed. Especially with (laughs) the tube socks. The tube socks. It just reminded me of how many movies are, you know, where you just see, like, I remember growing up and being like, just seeing a lot of women's body parts. And it was like, definitely with the implication that like, this is what you're supposed to look like. Like, these are the, these are the hot women and they're really, really thin. Like the women in this movie are very, very thin. And I mean, it was the late seventies, you know, like that was really thin as in, you know, and let's drink some tab. Let's take a coilude. I love tab. We're going to take a coilude. We're going to smoke a joint. We're going to drink some tab. And then we're going to chain smoke with baby oil slathered all over our bodies. And we're going to sit out and soak up the rays. This sounds great. When are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> also, you had to put iodine in your baby oil to give yourself like a little bit of an instant tan. Oh, hell yeah. I did not oh, know yeah. about that. <laughs> Sometimes I, when I read or listen to things all that where they're discussing like old culture or even whatever movie, you know, even presently. Um, and they're saying like, they're like, you know, you're like actively looking for things to have a problem with. And I am not approaching what we're doing like that in any way. So, and I just don't want to approach anything that way. Um, But I do notice things, but I notice how things make me feel. And then I wonder why does it make me feel that way? And it's like, oh, it's, it's like a way of using um, something that like maybe, you know, you have a trigger response to, but instead of like getting involved in the, getting wrapped up in the like adrenaline of the trigger that you've experienced and like immediately getting mad, you can be like, or I, I just am like, okay, why am I having, like, what is happening on the screen Like with these women, you know, why is it that whenever I'm seeing how these women are not being shown as women, they're being shown as body parts, you know, in this line that because it was a really odd choice, they could have easily just like panned back farther um, and seen their whole bodies and it would have had a completely different feel to it. Um, it dehumanized them by just showing their bottom halves. Um, and it's like, well, why am I having that response? I mean, I could get really pissed off and just be like, oh, these fucking, you know, guys, they're just totally objectifying women. Or I could be like, well, where, where else have I seen this? And what effect did it actually have on me? Because, you know, it influenced me. And I remembered when I was watching it, I remember thinking when I was little that like, this is how you're supposed to look. And every time a movie focuses in on a woman's body parts, 
in a really sexual way, it's telling everyone who's watching it, this is what's attractive and this is how you're supposed to look. And I don't have any problem with objectifying people sexually. I was enjoying sexually objectifying basketball players in short shorts moments ago. I don't have a problem with that, but I don't think that it's really very nice to only present one type of person, you know? And like now I'm seeing more like people that are not blonde and 90 pounds or whatever, you know, 105 pounds, a perfect size six. (laughs) Um, That, you know, that like, that means that when you see, when you see a a woman who weighs more than a hundred pounds and a guy's interested in her and you weigh more than a hundred pounds, or maybe, you know, you're not like, and she, she looks like you in some way, then you're going to, you're going to be like, Oh, like that's something for me too. And that's really, I remember growing up and just being like, well, I can't be anything until I get thin enough. Mm. I can't have like a real, like I can't have a real life until I'm really thin. Like, and you know, and that's really messed up. But I mean, when I, I grew up watching like, this kind of stuff that we're talking about. And then like the TV shows, it's like these very adult things that really do actively give you these ideas that like, you need to be this way. And that messed with me probably until I was like 30. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's messed with the entire culture, you know, because that is, what was basically put on a pedestal. If it's in a movie, everyone's seeing it, everyone's consuming it. And even if it's not blatantly said to you, it is subconsciously put into your mind like, oh, okay, this is what I should look like. And this is how I should act if I want to be accepted and to have a boyfriend and eventually a husband. And then, yeah, just to really make it, I need to look like this to count. Because if you don't, if you're not one of those, you're just like anyone who is bigger or not as attractive was just like a side character in anything that was used to make jokes about or just to be pushed aside or really just there to contrast with the extremely beautiful person. Or, Or to be a prop that becomes a catalyst for later plot points, like by getting murdered or something, (laughs) you know? It's you never know, anything like, good. Like Susie, the fat girl is always the first one to die. You know, that kind of like that kind of crap, you know? Yes. But the pro, but the extra special problem with the fact that Susie, the fat girl <laughs> is that she actually only weighs 125 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I, yeah, I agree. It's like, we're doing this and we're rewatching these movies and it's not to like pick out problems to complain about, to get angry about. It's really just to see like, what is it like to watch this as an adult with the knowledge that we have now and with the experiences that we've had in our lives since then. And to see like 
what messages did we get? Some of them like purposeful messages that were given to us and most of them like subliminal messages that were given to us, <laughs> subconscious. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. And like you said, if there is something though that stands out and makes me feel a certain way, like a pit in my stomach mm-hmm. or just tense or creeped out, then I will talk about that. But I'm not going into it looking for like, I'm ready to be pissed off, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. Just like what you said. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's fun. Yeah. I mean, it takes, it, it took me a while to get there. Like if I had, if I had been watching this movie 10 years ago, this would be a completely different discussion and I would probably be very obnoxious (laughs) and hostile and I would be on a soapbox and it would be annoying and I would never publish it. (laughs) (laughs) because i would listen back and think boy i need therapy i need more therapy (laughs) this podcast is therapy (laughs) it really is like i definitely feel like exploring this is helping me deprogram myself from some things that i didn't even realize i needed deprogramming from um so thank you that's great. For helping me do that. <laughs> thank you. And thank everyone who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> well, we can all deprogram together. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tom, Tommy is like really the only person that I like in this movie. Tommy, those golden locks. <laughs> <laughs> And I actually think Tommy really wants to go out with Carrie because he actually likes her. Okay. I was going to ask you what you thought about that because he goes out with Carrie because Sue asks him to, Sue and Tommy are dating. They were going to go to the prom together, but then especially after Miss Collins gives all the girls a guilt trip speech about how they should be nicer to Carrie and look at their lives. They have dates for the prom. She has nothing. So then Sue starts thinking, She's feeling bad about what they did to Carrie. And she thinks a way to make up for that is to let Carrie go to the prom with her boyfriend, Tommy. And I feel like that's a nice gesture. It may be hollow and misguided, but her intentions were good. And she talks Tommy into doing it. And he does it because he likes her so much. As far as we know, he didn't have anything against her. He likes and then her. Yeah, there's the scene well, in class where he like his poems read aloud and Carrie really likes it and she says it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. The the wannabe Truman Capote guy. <laughs> and I was like, is this guy doing like a Truman Capote <laughs> impersonation? He is disturbing. It reminded me of when Trudy Truman Capote went on some talk show and like berated uh the woman that wrote The Valley of the Dolls. Oh, fuck. What's her name? Anyway, but it reminded me of that kind of just like mindless, like needless bullying for no reason. It's like there's something about Carrie that just gets under people's skin. Yeah. Even the teachers and the principal just seem to want to bully her. Maybe they were bullied. That teacher was definitely bullied in high school. Oh. Look at For him. Sure. So I'm sure he's just kind of like seizing on this opportunity to gang up on this poor girl who everyone is bullying. Yeah. So she compliments the poem and then he 
is like beautiful. And he starts making fun of her for complimenting it. And it's like, what is the matter with you? You're picking on a high school girl and you're her teacher. So then Tommy says under his breath, like, you suck. And he was meaning it towards the teacher, right? For him picking on Carrie. Oh, for sure. established as, like, a good guy. Mm -hmm. And so he takes Carrie to the prom because Sue asks him to as a way to make up for the mean things that Sue and the other girls did to Carrie. (sighs) The movie could have been so different if only they hadn't won. Uh. King and Queen. The whole thing culminates with the revenge plot, basically, of Chris trying mm-hmm. to get revenge on Carrie for making her miss her prom and having to undergo punishment. She enlists the help of some friends to get the votes rigged so that the ballots all say that Tommy and Carrie won so she can get Carrie up on the stage to get the pig blood on her. Even though I knew the moment was coming, I mean, they stayed up on the stage for so long, just oh. waving and smiling. I was like, okay. This is going on long enough. And every time, every time Carrie's on screen at the school, they play like Summer's Eve <laughs> yeah. music, commercial music. <laughs> and it's like, I know that's on purpose. <laughs> it's Carrie's ballad. More like dirty, more women's bodies are dirty suggestions. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. And then it's pig's blood that's dumped on her. Like, why am I just not making this connection? It's all about blood. It starts with blood and it ends with blood. And women are vile and dirty because they bleed. One of the things I was going to ask you is, um, so in the first scene when she's in the shower and she gets her period, then while she's really going hysterical and the PE teacher's trying to like calm her down, then the light in the shower mm-hmm. bursts above them. So that's her first experience with the telekinesis, right? So mm-hmm. she gets these powers when she gets her period. So that's like another thing that's just related to feminine power, the sorceress, the witch. Well, totally. She's never had a single outlet for her anger or fears or sexuality or sensuality or pleasure like her mom doesn't let her have any of those emotions so i think that those emotions carry an electrical charge for whatever reason carrie had this capacity to like hold that charge in really tightly and then when she had her period you know that's all about like release we're able to like unleash our, our powers in this new way because suddenly we're in a new relationship with the moon. It's like we're in a new relationship with the moon that makes us better able to reflect the sun, which is why I think that men were, have been so terrified of women that they have created the patriarchy because we're really more in touch with the world and nature and we really have more innate power well well you would have to if you're going to give birth like that's a that's a matter of survival so that's not i i love men i don't i don't think that men are inferior 
in any way. So I, I wouldn't want to phrase it that way. Um, like, like we have more, like we're special. Like there's, there's some, um, like witchcraft, um, religions that kind of do believe that they only worship the goddess. And I don't think that that doesn't feel any better. I mean, it obviously it feels better to me than this kind of like religion. <laughs> I think it's not like a great direction and it doesn't really feel balanced. I feel like we need to balance the masculine and the feminine within ourselves. And so I don't really see like worshiping just one of those energies as being like advantageous over time. I mean, obviously, okay, let's do like this alternate fan fiction. <laughs> This alternate universe where Carrie and Tommy leave the prom and Carrie's just like, you know what? I'm going to go make out with this guy by a tree. They go and make out by the tree and they totally miss getting called uh, up to the stage. And then what happens is that Billy and Chris they are fighting because they're always fighting and and apparently billy is always slapping her i know i was here <laughs> wanted to talk about that <laughs> and, and so billy slaps her in the face and she loses hold of the rope and the bucket falls on nobody um so but nobody's there but the bucket of blood falls but it doesn't fall on anybody then we find out later that mrs collins is a witch and she takes carrie under her wing and trains her in the ways of using her power for things that are good, like opening doors for old people. Nice. And putting library books back on the shelf. Because I feel like Carrie could definitely be a librarian with a specialty in like a cult transcript. I would read that. That sounds like a good fan fiction. Carrie is a story about putting yourself out there and letting yourself be vulnerable and then having it all blow up in your face. And I think all of us have been there in some way mm-hmm. at some moment in time. And I was like, I think all of us can identify with that feeling of Carrie, even if we don't want to admit it, I'm sure it's happened to all of us. And so I was trying to think of like, oh, when are moments when I felt carried, you know, never mm-hmm. to that extreme, but Mm-hmm. definitely there have been times like that and especially during like junior high and high school I think it's like ripe with moments <laughs> like that I felt so tense seeing that mm-hmm. bucket up there just like wavering 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 and it's like I could feel it building even though I knew it was coming and mm-hmm. that's how you know that it's good because it's still good even when you know it's going to happen <clears throat> even worse like this was just the beginning of her humiliation. Carrie's finally experiencing joy and for the first time and you can see her planning her future. It's the first time she's ever felt like she had a future. Ugh. Made me cry. I just was like I just like cried through the whole prophecy. <laughs> and and then like uh, the other thing is like, how long does it, and I didn't want to look this up on the internet, but I was wondering how long, because like, hey, Google, how long does it take for a bucket of blood to dry? Like, I don't, <laughs> I was like, I don't really know if I want to look and even don't. see what the answers would be. <laughs> but I was like, wouldn't that be really coagulated at least? I was just like, it would, the smell 
of it. The just, smell. Oh my I mean, God. all of it is just so horrible. And then the look, the look on her face, I like how she never blinks. And then she, she looks like a new, she looks like a newborn. Yeah, that could like tie back into the blood and the intercourse is the first sin and childbirth is the curse because she's wearing like a beautiful light pink satin gown, which is like almost skin tone. And so especially when it's wet, it almost looks like she's naked and she's covered in blood like a newborn baby. So that's like the birth of the new Carrie that's fucking pissed off and like using her power for evil. She's just so done. And the look on her face shows you like, I'm done with all of you people. <clears throat> Here it comes. She's just so good at conveying all of those emotions with just that look in her eyes. And she just looks at you and then something bad happens to you. Like, I forgot that. So I only thought about the fire. But it's like ironic that the fire started from a fire hose being unleashed. So first she unravels the fire hose. So after the blood comes and she realizes <clears throat> that it's all been a big prank. And I, she doesn't have the insight at that moment to realize that it was really just these two people, Chris and the guy who have perpetrated, and Norma, fucking Norma in the red hat, who have perpetrated this on her. She thinks that it's really everyone. And in that moment, you can see her and through her eyes, it looks like everyone in the crowd is laughing at her, which really only a few people were laughing. Like Norma was really laughing. She was, but other people weren't. And when Carrie looks out, she sees even like Miss Collins, the PE teacher laughing. And she hears her mom's voice in her head saying, they're all going to laugh at you over and over. And so she really just feels like everyone is against her at that moment, even though they're not, even though most of them have been against her the whole time, including the principal. And then that terrible teacher that made fun of her, he's up there on the stage too. So everyone's getting blasted with this fire hose. And then that leads to electrical problems and it causes the principal and that mean male teacher to be electrocuted by the microphone at the same time. And then the male teacher who made fun of her for the poem, he actually like, he gets set on fire from being electrocuted and that's what starts the whole fire. I was like, man, this is way more gory than I remembered. No. And then you get that like iconic image of Carrie covered in blood, just calmly walking out while everything is ablaze around her. And it's so amazing. They're not really laughing at her. Like most of the people are completely horrified. Yes. Like, so that was like a hallucination she was having. Cause it's, I almost feel like the power, just like this power surge through her body. And I almost wonder if the sacrifice of the pig of the pig's blood because basically what the MAGA people did, <laughs> that's how I think of them. What, uh, what, what uh, Billy and Chris and company did with that pig, they did that with, with malice and rage and taking great pleasure in suffering. And so then that got infused into the blood because they sacrificed a pig and then they drained its blood. This is like a classic satanic ritual. Yeah. And then they poured the blood onto a helpless fawn of a virgin. Uh-huh. The blood unleashed 
further unleashed and like amplified her powers of telekinesis and like also amplified it with even more rage. So they really like created this supercharged environment. It was like, it was a spell that Chris and Billy put on themselves. I thought of the the lady that wrote the Valley of the Dolls, Jacqueline Suzanne. That's her name. That's her name. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I've never read that. <laughs> I love it. Them. I love it. Yeah. So I think it's like holding a grudge is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Yes. Something and, like that. Yeah. And so I feel like Billy and Chris prove that with this really fucked up spell that they inadvertently wove. It turned Carrie into a catalyst for all of the hatred that makes them bullies. And then they had to watch all of their friends die. Cause they, I was getting upset cause I was like, Oh my gosh, they escape cause they get outside and then they're watching it all happen from outside the gym. But then Carrie gets them later. So you don't have to worry about that. Right. Yeah. That was just the beginning of their torture. And Sue escapes. And I was hoping Tommy escaped because when the bucket falls and knocks him out, then the gym teacher and some other people start carrying him out. And I was like, oh, Tommy's going to make it. But then no. So her rage is so blind that she even kills Tommy and specifically the PE teacher. There's like a specific moment where she singles her out and kills her. Because initially Carrie thinks that everyone is conspiring to pull some kind of like something horrible you're setting me up that's the only reason that you asked me out to the prom it's all a big setup and so she's already suspicious but then she's like oh no this is real because it was and then in that moment she's hallucinating everybody's laughing at her and she's thinking everyone set me up and my mother's right about the world (sighs) okay so there was one comedy break whenever uh tommy and his friends are going to get tuxedos and (laughs) they're like they're just like talking about the ruffles and it's just like this really like, like, would you go out with me? And then his friend's like, not with those ruffles, like on his tuxedo. I don't, it's just, it's like the only moment in that movie that lets up on the pressure. Yeah. It's the lighthearted moment in the midst of all the horror and suspense. And of course they're all getting the beautiful blue tuxedos with the big ruffles and bow ties quintessential 70s tuxedo and tommy's is the ruffliest of them all of, of course. course it matches his hair exactly <laughs> to go with his ruffly hair <laughs> but it also it like sets us up for relaxing and getting yeah. us in more of a playful spirit where you think oh maybe everything's gonna be okay and like you know, something bad almost might happen. Like, like thinking about like, if I was an adult, you didn't read the book and you just went and saw the movie and you don't know the ending, especially with movies back then, you'd probably think like, oh, 
you know, some bad stuff's going to happen, but then like at the end, it'll work out somehow. Maybe she'll just hurt the two of them or whatever. And then no, it's like everyone dies. (laughs) And And the town is like declared a state of emergency in the town because Carrie is a supercharged witch. <laughs> yeah, basically really every <laughs> senior in the town dies. Like yeah. the town lost all their seniors in high school except for Stu. Yeah. Pretty much. And it's Sue's fault, quote unquote. Yeah, Not what really. I learned from this movie is basically like at first Carrie was telling Tommy like, "No, no, no, I don't want to go." Like no means no. If he would have just let her go and not forced her into going to prom, none of this would have happened. But that's romantic. It is. Isn't it romantic? Incessant persistence <laughs> from a man that I've rejected over and over again just really gets me going. And when he shows up at your house unannounced, <laughs> then you're like, yes, I definitely want you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I learned from this movie. Yeah. Every rom com, <laughs> <sighs> and also, uh, if a guy hits you, as long as he wants to have sex with you, still it's okay too. That's what I learned from Chris and Billy, the John Travolta character. Let me just put my lipstick on, so I can give you a proper blowjob because I love when you punch me in the face. Also, I have the magical ability to give blowjobs and talk at the same what? time. <laughs> the other thing I was going to ask, like, okay, so they're driving. Billy and Chris are, like, fighting. They're on their way to a party or something. And she <laughs> calls him a shit, like a dumb shit, because Chris's favorite word is shit. And she tells I Carrie know. that she eats shit. She's so crude. You're shit, shit, shit. I like calling people dumb shits, but not as much as her. And so she calls... Billy shit and then he's like don't call me that and then of course she does it again later so he smacks her and then she's like she doesn't even really seem to have a problem with that then she like calls him in again and then she alternates between like antagonizing him by calling him names and then like sucking his fingers to like turn him on then lets him kiss her and then pushes him away she's just playing all these weird I don't know what she's doing She's leading up to asking him to do this pig thing for her. So she's using like sex as a way to do it. So that's another thing I learned is that you can use sex to get what you want. (laughs) (laughs) The ultimate way to get a man to do what you want is to give him a blowjob in the parking lot. So that's what she's working on to get him to kill this pig. And while she's blowing him, she's saying, Billy, 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 like chanting his name while she blows him. And she also says, I hate Carrie White. While she's blowing him. So how is she doing this? I wonder I wonder if she's actually like attracted to Carrie. And yeah, that's why maybe. she's really mad at her. It could be. I mean, she's seen her naked enough in the showers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she knows what she's getting into. I mean, there's a lot of alternate theories. I think you should definitely do like fan fiction for this. <laughs> Chris ends up like being a really sweet person later once she's fully realized like that her sexuality isn't on such a narrow spectrum as he was trying to believe is proper i'll read it <laughs> let me know when you're done with it <laughs> so yeah they're the main ones that caused this problem it looks like they're going to escape from the catastrophe at the gym but then you see carrie is walking home just like 
drenched in blood and the fire truck drives right by her no Mm -hmm. one stops or says like hey are you okay or Mm -hmm. what the hell's going on they just see like a teenage girl drenched in blood walking down the street and no one thinks anything of it and then you see that billy and chris are following her in their fast car and it looks like they're going to run her down which is their intention but then she turns and uses her telekinesis and like flips their car and then it's set on fire too so they die by fire as well do you think when the fire department saw carrie they were like that must have been one hell of a kegger <laughs> they're like oh these teenagers these days just covered in blood <laughs> wasn't like that in my day it's really because the children are wandering through the wilderness of sin yes they're just like depraved but I was thinking this is like brides of Satan, the satanic baptism, being baptized in blood. And then it's like her new religion is rage. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like when she's slowly walking home covered in blood, I was just like, oh, God, her mom is going to have the ultimate I told you so moment. <laughs> <sighs> I forgot most of the stuff that happened after the prom. I really just thought like it ended with the prom. And- Me too. Like, I remember Sue at the end and and Carrie's hand coming up, but I didn't remember anything from the prom to that part. I, like, completely blocked this out. Me too. (laughs) So I was surprised to see that. So she comes home and she walks upstairs and she comes inside and her mom has lit, like, a million candles. because On the bed. Yeah, everywhere. (laughs) On the bed. That's, like, extra dangerous. Just sitting on the bed. That's like this is how this is how completely out of it this lady is that she lights candles and puts them on beds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That really epitomizes how crazy she is. Completely unhinged. <laughs> unhinged. So she's I'm sure she's thinking, well, actually, she thinks that Carrie's already had sex because the way she was talking in the beginning was that like you don't have your period unless you've already had sex, which is wrong. Um, I'm not really sure where she gets that from. <laughs> and then, of course, um, she talks about boys and like, ah, oh, boys, when the blood comes, <laughs> the boys come sniffing around. <sighs> but yeah, so she thinks that Carrie's already had sex. She's sure that she's going to end up having sex on her prom night because, I mean, that's what prom nights are for. And so she's got yeah. all these candles lit to have like even more atonement and like, praying against the sin that Carrie's committing. And then Carrie like slowly walks around the house. Her mom's nowhere to be found. And she ascends the stairs up to her room, which is like in the attic and scary. And it's so creepy. It's so so, God, the cinematography is so good. I know. (laughs) She comes up these stairs and then she's standing there just covered in blood and her beautiful gown that she had made. And you can see like the mannequin, the clothes mannequin thing behind her where she had made her dress on. So you're like, I didn't even notice it. But next to that, you see her mom just standing there. And at first I didn't see it. And her mom just standing there in a white gown behind the bedroom. Oh, that was, I like, that scared me. I was like, once I saw her mom. Then, so Carrie still doesn't see her because their mom's hiding from her just in silence. And she goes and takes a bath to wash the blood off. So like the beginning of the movie starts with a shower and her bleeding. And at the end of the movie, she's in a bath washing the blood off. And then she comes out 
and she's all clean and she puts on her old plain gown. Like she's going to go back to the Carrie that she was forced to be by her mom because she realizes, well, God, I guess my mom was right. Everyone is going to laugh at me and I should just stay here and stay safe and follow this way that I already know. Yeah. And so then she turns around and she does see her mom and she's like, mom, it was terrible. You were right. Hug me. And she wants to be comforted by her. And her mom's like, let's pray. And Carrie's like, yes, let's pray. Cause she's like, she's ready to just accept that. Pray that day away. Cause it was yeah. that day. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so they're holding each other and it's like, it's going to go back. But then her mom has a knife and stabs her well that's when her mom starts telling the story about how she was conceived and how she should have basically killed carrie from the beginning because she's was conceived in sin and the sin's continuing clearly a witch yeah thou shall not suffer a witch to live exactly she's just had like the worst day ever and then her mom stabs her (laughs) and throws her down the stairs i know (laughs) <sighs> this poor girl. The whole time that, that that was going on, though, I was hung up on thinking about Carrie's mom. So she's just standing behind a door for hours waiting yeah. for her to come home. With the mindset you'd have to be in <laughs> to stand behind a door for like at least an hour. Oh, yeah. Hours. And then also, though, you know, she's like putting some kind of penance on herself because, you know, whatever she's forcing Carrie into, she's probably forcing her herself penance like even worse than that. Because she brought Carrie into the world. Mm-hmm. All of that was horrifying. I felt so bad for Carrie. <laughs> I didn't remember this part. And the whole time I was like, why aren't you using the telekinesis against your mom right now? And I was like, did she lose the power after what she did at the high school? But then she finally does. So when her mom is about to stab her big time with this big butcher knife, then Carrie takes her mind power and takes a big giant butcher knife from their dish rack and flings it at her mom. And her mom's hand is pinned against the wall, the doorway of the kitchen. (laughs) Then she takes more objects from the dish rack and flings them at her mom and pins her against the doorway. And basically her mom ends up stuck in a pose like Jesus on the cross. Jesus Christ pose. R.I.P. Chris Cornell. She's in a Jesus Christ pose. Stuck there with various kitchen utensils. And honestly, one of the worst parts is that the part that goes into her heart is like a vegetable peeler. I'm like, that's not even that sharp. That would really hurt. And one of them is like a icing spreader. It's not even sharp at all. I know. It's like a and thing. and uh, the carrot peeler really got me too because because they showed her earlier like hacking violently ah. at that carrot with the butcher knife. It was grotesque. That was like the only kind of horror scene I can really handle. I was having a lot of visceral responses during this movie. <laughs> That's why I listened to the Beach Boys immediately. <laughs> the cleanse. <laughs> cleanse your vibes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was a rough scene. And that one hand is just like stuck in the wall. It won't oh. give. And she just keeps pulling and pulling while that hand is like stuck in the wall with a knife. So during this last scene, so Carrie's mom's trying to kill her. So I feel like she's completely justified in like throwing a vegetable peeler into her heart to kill her too because it's like Mm self-defense but then the house starts shaking and the ceiling starts collapsing 
And so Carrie realizes like, oh God. So instead of trying to leave the house and escape, she takes them both into this prayer closet and then basically just goes down with the house. Mm -hmm. What was causing that to happen with the house? Was it Satan? What was going on there? What are your thoughts on that whole scene? Well, I think that her mom has latent powers and that when her mom was um, crucified, it unleashed the electricity of her of her witch powers that she had been like violently suppressing in herself. And because she knows she's like Carrie, that's why she's so adamant about putting Perry on a leash because she sees Carrie and herself and like, she can't follow the same path I did, you know? So I feel like she has powers too. And when I say powers, like that kind of stuff, some people just have more of a, they carry more of like an electrical charge naturally in certain ways. Like, I don't think it's anything that's like particularly mysterious just kind of boils down to like how well we're able to run, you know, what you could call chi or prana or frequency through our bodies. And some people, for whatever reason, usually, well, I don't want to say usually, but a lot of times it's because of some kind of an, a childhood abuse that it creates the like an extra electrical charge in your body. And then can create uh, people that are very sensitive and intuitive and empathic as a way, because you have to develop those skills because you're in a dangerous situation at a very young age when you're forming all of your neural networks and everything and your nervous system is shaping itself, you know, is being shaped anyway. So I think her mom has powers and whenever she was in her Jesus Christ pose, she was those powers got unleashed and you saw like that look of pure bliss that came over her. Uh, Yes. It was almost like orgasmic while she was dying. And so I think that maybe that combined with what it carry the emotional charge that Carrie's holding or not holding unleashing I think it probably made the house collapse on on itself. That's very good. I like your take on that. It's better than just saying it was Satan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that made sense. Sometimes when I'm talking, I'm like, I have no idea if this even makes any sense to anybody. (laughs) It made sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, to me, when I thought that Carrie was going outside, but really she was going into the prayer closet, it's like she's saying... um, I've been out there, I've been in the world, I've experienced the world all in this one day, and it did not go well for me. My mom was right, and that she would rather just go back to her old ways, back to the prayer closet, back to what she knew, even though she didn't really like it, but it felt more safe to her, Mm -hmm. and die in there with her mother than leave the house and go back out into the world. Poor Carrie. I know. And also, she's like responsible for the death of... All the seniors in the town. Oh, I didn't think about that. It's and like maybe all, the murder and charges. Like, <laughs> and like all of the teachers. The oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Maybe it was just the murder charges that were keeping her from going back outside. <laughs> That's a good point too. 
Of course, like no prison could hold her because she could just break the chains. Oh, okay. So I love when Sue is laying there and it's, you know, probably months later or something. And her mom's talking on the phone to somebody, giving them an update on how she's surviving. And her mom's like, oh, well, the doctor said she's young enough. She'll forget all about it in time. I was like, what the hell? That doctor is very wrong. <laughs> the doctor probably like prescribed her quaaludes. And was like, oh yeah, she'll forget about this in no time. Let's just give her enough drugs, maybe a cocktail or two, pack of cigarettes a day. That's why she's sleeping forget. so much because the doctors gave her quaaludes. Maybe if she was like three or something or four, okay. but not like a high school senior, she's not going to just forget. Yeah, it's going to imprint on you in some way. Maybe not in conscious memories, but it's going to stay with you. And for her, it will stay in conscious memories as well, because she's definitely old enough for it to stick with her. In the alternate universe, though, I see um, Sue getting involved with a group of renegade psychologists that have continued (laughs) experimenting with microdoses of LSD, and that it really helps her, and she ends up being in the foreground of microdosing for post-traumatic stress disorder um, research and is instrumental in getting funding for microdosing LSD. She's going to need something. So yes, (laughs) that sounds like a good solution. (laughs) But my first thought when I saw Sue laying there in bed was like, man, she needs to smoke a bunch of weed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like every day for the rest of her life. (laughs) What was your favorite quote? Yes, so my favorite quote of the movie came from Margaret, Carrie's mother. So I think it's the scene where they're having dinner. They're having dessert after dinner. They're having apple cake. And her mom's like, Carrie, you're not eating your apple cake. And Carrie says, (laughs) it's so good. Carrie's like, it gives me pimples, mama. And then her mom says, pimples are the Lord's way of chastising you. (laughs) I was like, oh God, I was chastised. A lot in junior high and high school. That's the best quote of the movie. I'm glad you liked it too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's what I wrote down. Fave quote. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. But my second favorite quote is, after the blood comes the boys. (laughs) That was my second favorite too. The boys come sniffing around. We're kind of wondering where that smell's coming from. (laughs) I love when you do the voices. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess we've talked about everything. So unless you have anything else. Margaret um, standing behind the door, clutching a knife for over an hour. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's end on that. So thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks. Bye. It would be great if anyone wants to share their stories of when they felt carried you just put it all out there and it blew up in your face. Let us know at coveryoureyespodcast at gmail.com or yes. Twitter or Instagram. <laughs> yes. Also, if you have ideas for other movies we should cover in the future, we'd love to hear those too. Thank you for listening to Cover Your Eyes Podcast. If you like their show, please feel free to count the ways. Find us on patreon.com backslash cover your eyes you can also visit our store on redbubble at cover your eyes podcast 
Are we gonna say see you next Tuesday still? <laughs> okay, we could say bye y'all, see you next Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's do that. You can it's cover true. your eyes, but you can still hear it. <laughs>